Mid Morning Show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee, final hour underway here. Very, very happy to kick it off with none other than the co-host of Sam McKee's favorite show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Blair and Barker. Kevin Barker joins us now. Barker, how you doing, bud? Boys, what's up? How we do? Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I mean, not... this definitely isn't my favorite show, so... You're 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 my favorite show, Kevin. Yeah, he, he comes in here talking every day. He's like, "Man, Blair and Barker were on fire yesterday." I'm yeah. like, "They're okay. Let's yeah. not pump uh, their tires too much, okay?" Yeah, uh, I love you guys. I'm a big fan. Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> we, we appreciate you tuning in. Oh uh, yeah. So uh, we all tuned in last night, and it did not go the way we wanted for for Alec Manoa. Do you look at last night as a sign that it's clear they brought him back too soon? What do you think happens next? Uh, what went through your mind watching Manoa last night, Burks? Yeah, I know we've had conversations with numerous people. We, we we take calls on our show, and and people are saying that maybe they they brought him up too soon. I think people got to remember that when they were doing a four man rotation, the other four guys got to say so and things too, right? If you're the pitching coach, you're the you're the manager, you're the GM of a team, and the other four guys are doing their job and they're going outside the box and trying to fill in the blanks while the other guy's trying to figure out who he is that's sort of, I think, why he was called up when he was called up. It's not performance-driven at the minor league level. It's when you get sent down for whatever reason, right, conditioning and, you know, the the shape on the slider and, and the velocity on your fastball is not consistent and your mechanics are, are not sharp enough to self-correct on the mound and you need to go down and sort of figure out things that – you know, or ailing you and, and try and get him in line and try and come back and, and, and help a team win a baseball game. I, I, I think last night was sort of why we talk about the pod race, the way we talked about the pod race to begin the season. If because of their lineup, their rotation's really good. We saw that last night. Uh, Whenever they're hitting, they're doing things offensively. Soto's doing his thing. Manny Machado's doing his thing. You know, the, they're sort of one of the best lineups in baseball. And for whatever reason, all season, they haven't consistently been doing that. And we said this. Me and Jeff said this. People that have talked about Alec Manoa, the Tigers are one thing. Facing a veteran lineup who forces you to make a quality pitch, I'm not saying they're always going to get hits, but they're going to force you in a zone that they're trying to do damage in. And if you can't execute pitches, you will have – 10 three-ball counts facing 18 batters. You will throw nine called strikes and 92 pitches. You will average 30 pitches an inning for three innings. Like, that's sort of the, the way it's looking. And all of a sudden, it doesn't change the fact that when they called him up, I think they had a, they had to call him up. It's not like they were oozing big leaguers to come up at the minor league level and you know, execute and give a lineup a chance to have a big inning. Can't have any of those, right? And I get back to that other, you know, the the other four guys were, you know, going outside the box. Routines were messed up because mm-hmm. of the four-man rotation and because you don't have anybody. And because of that reason, I think they called him up when they called him up. Now it's just – it's a competition now. Once Ryu has his start and gets his 80 pitches on Friday, if that's smooth sailing – all of a sudden now, it is between three guys, right? You got two slots. One guy's going to be the odd guy out. That guy's going to pitch whenever that guy pitches. Like, it's not going to be, 
you know, you're not going to go outside the box and try and figure out ways to, you know, get Alec Manoa start every five days. It's about winning. Yeah. Like, you got, well, you got 67 games left, you know, and I think this is a good thing. Competition for, you know, dudes that are trying to find their way. I went through it. Guys that can sit down, go through it all the time. And this is sort of what Alec is, is going through. Not saying he's not a part of the future. It's just right now what he's trying to figure out and trying to do it at the big league level and help a team win a game and go to the playoffs is not the easiest thing to do. So I I like it now that Ryu's healthier. Now you've got a little added competition. And, and I do think, John, if John Snyder tells you anything, whether you like him or love him, he's telling you because of the way he makes out his lineups, because of the way he uses certain guys out of the pen, it's about winning. And I think if you're a Jays fan, you got to like that. So – what concerned you the most last night, Barker? Was it the lack of command, the lack of whiffs, the hard contact? There was many to pick from in that start with Manoa. What concerned you the most? Yeah, I think all of that. I, I am a little concerned when he needs the extra gear with the velocity. He just doesn't have it. Like, we, yeah. you know, when he was really good the last couple of years, it was big spot, you know, say a – a Manny Machado was to walk to the plate, and he really needed the elevated fastball at 95, 96. We saw some occasional 96s. He had it in the tank. Like, he could really go to it, you know, do it with some vinegar. He can't do that now. Like, I, that's the one thing for me is is a little confusing because, you know, it is 10 – it was 10 days between starts. I know they had the 70-pitch the two up and downs on Friday – which way they were trying to keep him in the flow and just, you know, keep the mechanics. And, and the, they talk about the speed down the slope a lot, which is, you know, getting the glove out and staying over the rubber and all the things. I know people get tired of hearing it because it is performance-driven now at the big league level, and they're trying to win baseball games. But that's sort of what they're trying to get him to do. I think for me, it is two-seamer command arm side that's into a righty and the velocity on both, both fastballs. I don't really understand that. Like, it's just for whatever reason went away. And it, whenever you watch him and he's having some bad outings, he just he just can't get it on the tracks. And that, for me, is the one thing that uh, I don't want to say concerning. It's scary, quite frankly, because, you know, his age and, and it's not like he's pitched a, a bazillion innings. He should be able to have the extra gear, go to it, the velocity he needs. And for whatever reason, like I mentioned, he just doesn't have it. Yeah, looking at it last night, he had two swing and misses on pitches that were inside the zone. I mean, again, he wasn't doing much better than that in the start against Detroit, but when you're having to be in the zone and you're not able to miss bats, it, it's just setting you up to need to rely on a little bit of luck, a little bit of great fielding. And I do like what you say about Manoa there and his lack of ability right now to kind of reach for that extra gear. And what do you think it's like for a pitcher like him who never relied on that to begin with? I mean, he's you know he's not Chris Bassett out there, but he is not blown blowing it by at 99 and dotting it like Garrett Cole does. He goes about it a little more of that kind of old school pitcher way. Uh, what do you think it's like for somebody like him who doesn't necessarily have that overwhelming arsenal? I don't want to make it seem like he's a slop tosser out there. He's not, but he's not going to blow you away with his stuff either. Do you think that that makes it more difficult for him to kind of get back on track as well? Uh, uh, why? Absolutely. I mean, it's a mental grind, right? It, uh, look, sometimes it's not how hard you throw. It's where you throw it. And, when he's consistently, again, throwing arm side, that's up and away to a lefty with a four-seamer. That's in to a righty with a two-seamer. Two-seamer goes side to side. Occasionally, he'll have the sinker, which is on the clock, 11 to 4. That's when he's feeling frisky, right? He'll start that thing, and it'll have that that really good movement to the to the four dial on the clock. 
for whatever reason, mechanically with the finish and the speed down the slope and getting the ball out of the glove, he just has trouble repeating that. And that, for me, is the one thing. Again, it's like you mentioned. He's never had the 97, 98, 99. It, for me, is just, again, he can get to two strikes. Occasionally, you're going to have to go elevated to a Juan Soto, 1-2, at 95, 96, do you guys feel confident that he can do that? I don't. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, I think is where Pete Walker scratching his head, John Snyder scratching his head. The organization is, why is that little extra gear occasionally, not all the time, because he's going to pitch at 92, 93, occasionally at 94, when everything's frisky, he's coming off the fingers, he has the late tunneling, the movement, all the things, the slider has better shape to it, you know, he'll sprinkle in the change-up to a righty, I mean, he's throwing change-ups to righties because he has to, not because he wants to, like, let's be honest about that, like, that's, <laughs> those are those are facts, so back to your question, yeah, when you have to do something that you don't want to do, yeah, it's got to be mentally frustrating, so this is what Jeff, Jeff always says this, maybe this is not something he can fix in season. And this is my point. Having Ryu have a good start on Friday is huge for this organization. Cause if he does that now with Chad green coming back, hopefully when he makes a little outing and I don't even know, I'm not going to act like I know what you should be looking for from a guy that's coming off. Tommy John has a pitch forever. Is it velocity? Is it location? Is it, you know, break on a secondary pitch? I have no idea. So we'll have to wait and see on how it looks and how he can act after he has the outing. But if you can get those two guys back and now you've got a little competition, that would make it easier for Ross to go out and maybe add a couple of veteran bats instead of having to worry about now with the Alec Manoa thing and facing good competition. And remember, they got 25 more games in the American League East. Well, I yeah. mean, he he made in those 13 starts before he got sent down, six of those were against the American League East. They lost all six now, a couple of those weren't his fault, right? John Snyder may have taken him out against the Yankees too too early. But most of those were his doing. And those are the games sort of right. You want to make up some ground with the Red Sox hanging around with the lineup that they have. And, you know, the Yankees, you would think, are going to go out and get a couple of bats because they look old and just can't put together anything offensively. So you would think they may get a little bit better. This is a golden opportunity for them to be able to fill in the blanks with a Ryu, a Chad Green, and just make it easier for Ross to go out and do some things offensively that he would like to do. So yeah, it's they're 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 sort of getting stretched in a couple of different directions here by you want to make sure Alec Manoa is mentally prepared for 2024, but you also, right, there's 67 games left. The season's not over, right? How get, how long get through how long? Absolutely. How long's the leash going to be? How long are you going to let him keep running out there? So this is what I'm thinking. You get Ryu back. Now you got Yusei Kikuchi. You got Alec Mano. You got three dudes. You got two spots. There's an odd guy out. You tell them right to their face. Whoever's pitching better is pitching. Yeah. It's hey, about winning. Have you ever seen a guy get tossed with his back to the ump? <laughs> yeah, that's a new that's a new one. But knowing knowing Pete knowing Petey the way I know Petey and and knowing how crap covered that umpires are. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, the umpire walked out there for a reason. Looking I mean, for he, it. obviously, hey, absolutely, he left too early. He's out there, you know, he's rabbit earing people, trying to listen for. You know, I missed the the two strike pitch to Juan Soto. Absolutely, you did. Yeah. You missed the Brandon Belt OO cutter <laughs> that wasn't even close either. And then you missed the 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 next pitch. What what was it? The one two sinker to Grissom. 
Uh, and then he walked, and then he had the seven pitch walk. Absolutely, you missed those. Like it's the big leagues. You're not calling these things from center field. So yeah, when the most exciting thing that happened with your team is the pitching coach got thrown out. It's probably not a good day for you. And you know, this, this is sort of what it is, right? With the Blue Jays is the best thing about this is when you're at home, it's about winning series because of where you're at in the standings and how everybody else, I think lost last night in the, in yeah. the American league East. Yeah. Now it's just about winning series. But again, you know, if you're Bassett, you're, you're over there standing, you know, you have to have, Sinker command, two-seamer command. If you got the cutter, that's gravy to the lefties. But the sort of the two-seamer and the four-seamer set up the plethora of changing speeds and the kitchen sink and all those things. So, you know, you have to, you know, keep your lineup around to have the big inning and hopefully track record or tell if a Blue Jays fan is going to do that. Yeah, the track record uh, would say that. And uh, I guess uh, nobody would be happy about the way the game went for Alec Manoa, but maybe the offense should be because uh, they're they're avoiding a lot of bullets this morning. Uh, you know, obviously not able to uh, scratch much, much across. What have you made of the Jays' uh, offense as of late, Parks? Yeah, just everyone, guys, every once in a while, you got to tip your hat to the opposing guy, right? M- Musgrove yep. is, I don't know if you know, he's filthy. Like, yeah. and, it, and, it, <laughs> and then you straight. looked at it. Yeah, absolutely. And then he's got the big giant spin rate on the on the breaking ball, which I I got to be honest with you, I've watched him three or four times have his starts. I've never seen his breaking ball that good. So he had the breaking ball last night. He had the slider down and away to righties. The cutter's a big pitch, right? We talk about it's not how hard you throw. I talk about Alec Manoa and the two seamer. It's about getting called strikes in to where you want to throw them to to hitters to make them have a negative at bat, right? If I'm behind in the count, now all of a sudden, instead of me trying to get frisky, catch that thing out front, go back Lake City, now I'm thinking letting it travel, you know, squaring up the baseball with a flat bat plane and going the other way. That's the big difference. So he had the big-time cutter. He had the slider working and that big-time breaking ball that he could throw to righties and lefties. He says, yeah, but this is the lineup. This is why we're talking about this. is why I just mentioned if Ryu comes back, Chad Green comes back, it gives, you know, Ross a chance to at least go out and kick the tires on a Cody Bellinger. Now, I do understand, you know, the Mariners are looking for a Cody Bellinger. The the Yankees are obviously looking for a Cody Bellinger. So you're going to have some competition, but you'd rather have the competition that you don't have to try and go out and get a starting pitcher, a eighth inning guy, and also a Cody Bellinger. So, yeah, the lineup's been this way all year, right? It's it's sort of when the big boys aren't doing the big boy things, it looks like, again, puts so much pressure on the dude standing on the mound to make the right pitch to give the lineup a chance to have the beginning. And if they don't, it looks like you get beat 9-1 to one, like you did last night. Yeah, and now they got to go up against you, Darvish. Like, I'm having a hard time figuring out why the Padres suck, Bart, because basically what I'm saying here, it just it blows my mind. <laughs> like You look at this lineup, you look at this pitching staff, they're filthy in the pitching staff, long lineup. It blows my mind. Now they got to go up against you, Darvish, tonight. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, look, hitting a round thing with a round thing is not always the easiest thing, right? And then you had expectations. You got alpha males. You know, you guys talk about hockey all the time. Uh, if you have... You know, the way they've tried to go out and and get 15 alpha males and stick them in one clubhouse, and then one or two alpha males are struggling. I can remember when Josh Donaldson was here, and he was struggling, and he was having an MVP season. You know, he he wasn't the nicest of dudes. He was hard to to hang out with. And you got to imagine you have, you know, seven or eight or nine of them in one room who, you know, four or five or six of them stink all at the same time. You can imagine what's going on in a clubhouse like that. So... 
sometimes it's just you can have too many, and maybe sort of that's what's happened with the Padres. But I'm with you. And I think if you're A.J. Preller, you can sort of see last night by if they're forcing it on the plate, they're having quality at-bats, they're not afraid to pass the baton. You know, it's thinking swing first instead of take first, Soto, right? It's if you have that mentality because you have so much talent and you have more talent one through nine than most lineups do, that the sky's the limit. So if you're a Padres fan and they can build off of what they were doing last night, yeah, and you mentioned the Blue Jays. They need to have the aggression in their zone. And sometimes that passing the baton, whether it is whatever the hitting coach is spewing, he ain't spewing it the right way. They listen the right way. It just seems like the plans are all over the map. What do I do? Am I guessing location? Am I sitting fastball? Am I sitting breaking ball that nobody else can hit? And I think I can hit it. Like sometimes you just wonder one through nine for the Jays. What's their approach? What are they talking about? Why are they talking about it that way? Instead of this time of the year, you guys know, sometimes it is as dumb as look right down the middle for a fastball until I get to two strikes. And because I have lots of talent, Springer, Bo, Vladdy, you know, like you could have a chance. Chapman, you'd have a better chance of having some quality at bats and score more runs and make it, quite frankly, easier for your manager, your pitching coach, to make the right move and take a little pressure off your pitching staff. So this is what I said. There's a lot going on with the Jays, and hopefully some big boys can step up. Ross Atkins can go out and add a bat to maybe spark a little bit and maybe try and bring in a run producer, which run producers don't grow on trees. And, you know, again, there's a lot. All of a sudden now, there is some intrigue with the Ryu thing. We laughed that off at the beginning of the season. No way he's coming back. And even if he does, he's old. You know, he's the end of his deal, right? And now all of a sudden, how big can that start Friday be for him? Huge. If you're an, if you're a Blue Jays fan, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's massive. And uh, you know, just before we let you go, I'll say uh, the Padres might not work with a bunch of alpha males in there, but Blair and Barker does. Just a, <laughs> just a couple of alpha uh, males woofing who- at each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I, you know, sometimes I don't look at Jeff as an alpha male. I like to think that I stand <laughs> That's over exactly top of what him I wanted and, you to say. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. That's all I needed. I, I, that, uh, yeah, I'm put, here for the fans. I put something <laughs> middle in for you, and you let the bad head eat. So thank you for that, Barks. Uh, love Absolutely. getting you on. Love the show. Thanks, Thanks so much. There you go. Thanks. Thanks a lot, boys. Have a good one. Yeah. Kevin Barker. I I <clears> needed him to to hit that. I put that on a for him. I just oh, wanted him to take a shot at Jeff Blair. That's all I wanted. I, I got it. Every, Agree. Every day, every Co-sign. Day, every day at 5 o'clock. Oh, I thought... <laughs> hey, Google, play Sports at 590 The Fan, and those two guys come on, and I listen to the whole show before the Jays game. It's a little insight into your life. Hey, Google, hey, you're a big... Uh, what's I don't know. Go- am I supposed to say that? No, uh, I just... No, I no, no. Do we have a no, no, deal with Alexa? You're, <laughs> you're not in trouble. I know <laughs> that you're... I know you're terrified. Don't say that. I, I know you're terrified. No, I just... I. Uh, you're a smart speaker guy. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. that's a little insight into your life yeah, I needed. I, I liked it. I... Timer in the kitchen. Mm. Love it. Uh, I use it in the kitchen. Yeah, I play... Hey, play music for dinner. Oh, man. My... My wife is like big time terrified of Siri. Like, oh, oh, if 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 she will occasionally just like, hey Siri, okay, good, just to make sure that no okay. no phones are listening. Okay, Sam, other Sam, other Sam. I'm talking directly to you now. I don't know if you're listening. <laughs> uh, nope, commute's over, no chance. You know, 
They know everything about it. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> like, the idea that there's some secret that yeah, like, they, who and again, whoever they yeah, are yeah, yeah. has not like, gleaned. Yeah, they they know they everything. Know. They know every little thing. They want to come and get you. They're, They're coming. You. Like, I for one welcome our robot overlords. Do you know the amount of incredible gear I have bought off of targeted advertising? <laughs> like, I go on Instagram and I'm like, Now wow. here's a question. How you know, we're talking about my Sam here. How's how's your life partner feel about all the shopping you're doing with just targeted advertising there? I mean, it seems she, like maybe you could do a little less shopping. I mean, she shops. Too. Yeah, okay. She shops, so she drops. The two um, of you be shopping. We be shopping. Uh, we don't have any kids or anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just Lou Dog, so we're fine. Yeah, you don't need to buy him anything. No, uh, except for treats because he deserves them because he's a good boy. There we but, go. Um, sorry, Lou. I had to leave him alone this morning. He was very perturbed at why I was leaving him at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I... Like, we'll go on Instagram, and I'll be like, wow, that is exactly what I like. You know so much about me, piece of uh, technology. I I will say uh, the Instagram algorithm in particular. Oh, it's remarkable. Truly knows all. It's remarkable. Twitter got a little squirrely. Who knows what's going on there? (laughs) Old boomer book can get a little wild at times. I haven't been on Facebook in so long, and I feel bad because my mom's always like, did you see my post? I'm like, mother, I don't have Facebook on my phone. I don't have Facebook. I never go on Facebook. Facebook exists uh, to show people pictures of my child. the problem with Instagram Instagram and and Facebook, same thing. I post, like, because I'll post, I do, like, a post on Instagram, like, every so often, like, once a month, like, here's me playing at the latest golf course you've ever seen. And then it's, like, posted on Facebook, and my mom's like, see, you are on Facebook. I'm like, what? And all my stories go straight to Facebook. I think you can get rid of that. Yeah. Let him have yeah, it. Yeah, see, you're not too perturbed. Let him have it. Uh, we're not perturbed by anything, Kevin Barker said. We love it all, in fact. Um, no, oh. Concerned little that he's oh. concerned about oh, Manila. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And that's something I didn't really think about with the concerning things that I could have added to the list. Sure. The velocity, he can't. He wasn't getting it up there. Like, mm-hmm. he was right. When he needed it, he could get it up 94, 95. Yep. Wasn't there last night. He was topping it at, what, 92, 93? So, Chris Black, uh, great Jay's follow on on Twitter. He was looking at some of the numbers from last night, and this mm-hmm. is hypothesizing. This is not a you know a stone cold theory, but I think it's a pretty good one. That if you look at the spin rate on Manoa's pitches, they were down in a big way last night. And the theory that he posits, and again, I think it's a good one, is that the spin rate will be down if you're trying to dial it back a little bit and find the control. And that doesn't add any positive spin to it because he couldn't find the control last night. It'd be one thing if you were it'd be one thing if you were dialing it back and not having the velo, but you're putting it exactly where you wanted and then it's a step in the right direction. But the fact that you were pulling it back and you still weren't able to find the zone or at least yeah. the spots in it you want, that's so, super, super concerning. The really nice thing about last night is that it never happened. Because the, the <laughs> it team, happened to everybody. Yeah. Tampa Bay lost, Baltimore lost, Boston lost, Yankees lost. So I mean you could look at it the other way if they had a one it yep. would have been great. But the fact that that's just scrubbed from the record, we can pretend that Alec Manoa never did that, uh, and you can just go into tonight with a clean slate. What about, nice. what about Nate Pearson? Uh, he got touched up a little last yeah, that's night. that's going to happen. That's where I'm at. Uh, he is He's been now... too good this year for me to jump off the boat, but he... Bingo. But, you know, he's... You wouldn't want that in a bigger game. Yep. I thought the game was kind of already in hand. He was just kind of throwing. It. Oh, and he did do a good job getting out of the spot. He, did. he was in trouble the inning before. They've, they're asking a lot of him. Exactly. Like the the multiple inning relief thing is a is a tough thing. Even though he's a, a starter. Yeah. But like it's hard to go multiple innings in the major leagues of baseball without giving up a lot of runs. Like you can come in and get out of a jam, yeah. and then that's it. But coming in and getting out of a jam, and then going back out there and trying yeah. to hold them down, 
It's hard. It's major leagues. Like, who took him deep? Machado? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, guess what? He's very good. Like, it's the major leagues. So, I, I didn't have a, t- a tough time with what he did. I've been loving his contribution so far to the team this year. So, I'm not going to get too down on him there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, he is, for me, he is firmly out of the zone of he has one blow up and you're worried that it's going to unspiral everything that's yeah. happened. I'm not remotely yeah. concerned about that. But, like you said, uh, that's just a little buyer poor, beware if you're trying to turn him into your closer. Poor old Jay Jackson, eh? Slop. Just had, they're just like, ah, get out there. Time to go eat the garbage again, Jay. Yeah. Mitch did some garbage nibbling as well late. Yeah, uh, I gave know. up a homer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, yeah. Shocker. naturally. Shocker. But can I say something that yeah. this is, I didn't expect to have this take on the radio today, hmm. but. Oh, it's exciting and scary at the same time. I kind of like what Jay Jackson has. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not terrible. No, no, no. No, he's I'm got there. like a I'm decent arm on that. Like He's, he's live. He, yeah, he can, he can locate that heater. He's got a little break on it. He's he's not bad. Classic guy who, at this stage of things, you talk yourself into, and then the second anything was required of him, you go, how are we doing this with what Jay you, Jackson? What do you think Jay Jackson's ERA is this year in 11, I, in 11 I, innings pitch? I have genuinely no clue. I will not I will not engage in your in your ERA guessing game. He has, I'll, go, I'll just give you the line on yeah. MLB.com. He is 2-0. Okay. Two wins. Pitcher wins. Still matter, baby. <laughs> to me, they do. Better to be. He has an ERA of 0. oh point eight two. Would take. Uh, he has 10 strikeouts in 11 innings, and his whip is .55. Jay Jackson. Watch me Set up, man? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Jay Jackson. Better than Adam I, Simber? Yes. I will feel, I do feel somewhat vindicated after my eye test of saying that he, I don't mind his stuff. And then looking yeah. at his stats and him having a 0.82 ERA makes me feel really good. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's hope this isn't the kiss of death. They've used him a bunch, so he probably gets the night off I tonight. You, I bet you he's going to get yeah. option soon for, yeah. for Thornton, for another length mm, guy. That makes sense. Ryu coming back soon as well. And yeah, like you said, if a guy yeah. like that riding yeah. the old uh, up-down express yeah. uh, between Buffalo and here. We are desperately searching. Elliot Friedman gave us the at least the appearance of news via his appearance <laughs> on NHL Network yesterday. It was nice to have some, again, reporting mm-hmm. that nothing's going on right now and teams are at a standstill. Maybe Frank Cervelli has an update on that for us. We will talk to him, uh, but before we get out of here, gotta, gotta let you know, on the Fan Morning Show, we're giving away concert tickets Ooh, all month long as part today? of the Bud Stage Summer Concert Series giveaway. Today, we have more tickets to give away for Beck and Phoenix playing mm. at Budweiser Stage on September 3rd as part of their Summer Odyssey Tour. To enter, all you have to do is text the code word, Go it alone to 590-590. Again, that's go it alone to 590-590. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Be sure to tune in tomorrow morning. We'll be giving away tickets for the Smashing Pumpkins. Frank Saravilli next on the Fan Morning Show. One segment left here with Gunning and McKee. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show. Coming to a close here. Halfway through the week. We're nearly done today's show, which means my co-host only has to get up before the sun two more times. He cannot wait until that's over. I cannot wait for this. 
Frank Saravelli standing on the line for us. Very, very happy uh, to welcome him in. And as always, this Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Frank, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I was going to say, tell me you're not a morning person without yeah, telling me you're not a morning person. I'll just tell you, Frank. Not a morning person. And uh, a tough, and my co-host is. Yeah, big morning guy over here. Although I got to say, his energy for a 6 a.m. tea time is very different for his yeah. energy for work. It's funny how one of those things is, uh, uh, is doable. We don't tee off at 6 a.m. We're like 6.30, 7 o'clock. At least I get 25 minutes more sleep. I don't think you'd be any better if we started 20 minutes later. But <laughs> Frank, Frank, you do not need uh, our lover's quarrel. What we need from you is literally anything. I don't care if it goes in the baby ice cream cone. Just something. Did you see someone buy a coffee? Has William Nylander been spotted anywhere on planet Earth? Please, Frank, it is the doldrums of NHL news to the point where we had to do our rankings of the best contracts and assets in the NHL today to fill time. Even though it was a great segment, it wasn't filling time. But you understand what I'm saying? Give me some news, Frank. Please, do you have anything? That That is that is a great segment. Thank you. Uh no, I Spoiler would say, alert, look, uh, Connor McDavid, top of the list, just letting you know. <laughs> okay, well, you, you could make the case that he is worth $20 bucks. Yep. Um, I would say these are the true dog days of summer, and I have next to nothing for you. Does that mean I can go now? <laughs> yeah, see you, bud. <laughs> no, I think we're going to try to bleed this stone just a, a little bit more. It, okay. It is, you're right. It is the dog days. We're sitting here waiting for some news, waiting for something. And I think the, specifically with the Leafs, it does seem to be a shoe dropping scenario. It's just a matter of which one drops. I mean, Austin Matthews, everything we're hearing is that it's going to get done. This is not contentious, but there is a theory out there, a school of thought that they'd like William Nylander's deal done first. Uh, do you believe that school of thought first? And do you think that that will help them kind of nudge things along with Nylander's camp at all, if that's what's happening here? Uh, no, I'm not entirely sold that's the case. I think, honestly, if you're looking at it from the Leafs' perspective, to me, I, I think the easiest way to do it is to get the most expensive player done first. And I've said that since the beginning. And as much as, there seems to be no concern or panic or anxiety about getting Austin Matthews done. And, and everyone seems to be in agreement that this will happen. It's really a matter of when and for how much that, that seems to be the clearest path in order to get things done. The thing is, the Nylander situation is at a much bigger standstill. Um, it does not appear that much progress has been made. And on top of that, I think the Matthews camp is at least mildly curious as to how that all plays out. And what, if anything, does that mean in terms of, relating to Austin Matthews and his deal getting done itself. So these things are definitely connected is what you're getting at here. Well, they're connected in the sense that I think Austin Matthews wants to know who he's playing with and who's on his team and how strong of a chance they have to win. I think he's all it's connected also in the sense of he wants to know how much cap space there is. 
and how much there is to go around in the pie. Um, you, you know, if, that, if it concerns that, him, if it concerns Austin Matthews about how much cap space there is to go around, there's certainly something he could do about it as well. I think that's the kind of confounding part about all this, Frank, is that I too would want to know how much cap space I have, but I do not have an impact on that in the way the team and potentially league's highest paid player would. Yeah, I think there, there's no question, but at the same time, what I think he'd like to do is strike a delicate balance between getting a raise off of the money that he's been earning and also giving the Toronto Maple Leafs a chance to win and ensuring that the best collection of talent possible is around him. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Like, because we've talked about this in Toronto, as you know, Frank, for seven years, legitimately since Nylander came into the league, we've been talking every summer about trading him. Like Now that we're at this point in July, there's still nothing. You look at the Leafs' cap picture for the next season – are we getting closer here to that direction? Which way do you think this is going to go? You know, that's really the difficult part about this is as long as this has dragged on, um, I've been way more thinking along the lines of once Brad Tree Living and the Leafs feel like they've reached a dead end, which I don't have any sense that they've gotten to yet. But once there's a determination made that this is not going to happen or they're not going to be able to come to terms and, and reach a new deal, that I think they, they have to move him. Yeah. They can't go into next season and allow this to play out, even with this team trying to chase the Stanley Cup even with all, you know, increased pressure to try and make progress in the playoffs to allow him to get to that point and then walk for nothing doesn't really make a lot of sense. And we can sit here and say how difficult the trade is to make and to win and to all those different things, but still getting 75% of a return on William Nylander is, a lot better than getting zero. And that's really the conversation that they need to have internally. I don't think Brad Tree Living has any fear to pull the trigger and make something like that happen. My only belief is I just don't think we've gotten there yet. Yeah, I can uh, I can certainly see that happening. And, you know, it's the old saying, if you have time, use it. And it seems like that's what True Living's doing. Uh, the one other kind of big piece of the Leafs offseason, and it's a, a question mark as much as any, is what's going to happen with Matt Murray. Now, there doesn't seem to be a ton happening regarding uh, the possibility of moving him. And just looking at the Leafs cap picture, that makes me think that Maybe they understand LTIR is a possibility here, but that's pretty tough to say for a guy who was the backup when the season ended. How do you envision this all playing out with Murray? Because just looking at the cap picture, they either have to have him on LTIR moved. I don't see a way they could make it fit otherwise unless you're jettisoning a player like Nylander and somebody like Brody or something like that. Yeah, I, I just, I've always been in the camp of believing that LTIR was an option for Murray. Now, you can say that, yes, he was healthy enough to be the backup. There's been a compiling of injuries that have taken place 
it throughout his career. Um, in addition to that, there's been plenty of recent examples of players who completed the season, Shea Weber playing game five of the Stanley Cup final and never playing again. Um, that's happened and the league hasn't batted an eye at it. And I think Shea Weber's injury history, I, I could be wrong. I, I don't think it's as extensive as Matt Murray's has been in the league. So I, I do still think that's an option. Um, I'd be curious what other teams think of that, to be honest. Um, I think the buyout remains an option, even though that's really a path that the Leafs would not like to go down. And I think the next part of it is if neither one of those two situations work out, do you have to bite the bullet and add in something significant in order to move them off your books? I think that's even less palatable than the buyout considering that the Leafs aren't overflowing with picks and assets to begin with, but maybe something that has to, you know, push has to come to shove because the Leafs are in this spot, as you mentioned, and you're right. I I don't see a viable path unless they are moving out in the Elander. And if that's the case, then they're going to have increased flexibility, but they still have other business to get done. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the Mary situation is a low-key fascinating one for the Leafs and, and what happens next. So in your opinion, Frank, how juicy of an asset would that have to be to get rid of that? Was it 4.8, 4.9 is left on that contract? It would have to be pretty sorry. significant. Yeah, because I, I don't have it, the contract and details right in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken – the last year of his deal is also the the highest paid year of his deal in term I believe it was a backloaded contract mm-hmm. signed with the Sens. So the real cash required to make something like that work would you know, you're talking I forget, is it seven million dollars? It's, a, it's eight, an eight million, million dollar base salary for the last year, yeah. Oof. And it's six point two five, not five. <laughs> Luis obviously had some of that eaten as well, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you go back to the last year of Patrick Marlowe's deal, and I would tell you that it's probably not far off from that. Oh, oh, just a, just a middle six guy who's I mean, playing for, a, for a, a Stanley Cup contender. That's all, if you want to give up one of those. I don't think the Leafs exactly have those laying around. Yeah, it certainly, uh, certainly details how, how tough a scenario uh, that, that could be. Uh, Frank, love, love getting you on, and I'll be honest, you had way more info than you let on. That was pretty informative. <laughs> I feel like stuff, I know buddy. a little more than I did yeah. 10 minutes ago. I, I try and bring just a little something, just a bare <laughs> minimum to get you by on a July 19th. And, and here, here's what I'll say, too, oh. on my way out. July 19th, look at the calendar. Brad Tree Living, July 22nd last year, moves Matthew Kachuk. He's a man that keeps working. He's not one of those guys that puts down the phone and, and heads to he's not Muskoka. water ski at the lake. Yeah, yeah. he's not Muskoka. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like he's working from Muskoka, but he's working nonetheless. <laughs> uh, Frank, love, love, love getting you on. Thank you so much, man. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, bud. There goes Frank Saravelli, NHL insider and president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. That insider brought to you by Don Valley and North Lexus, where you could expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. So maybe I should have asked 
Frank this. Yeah, I did just decide to end the interview without making eye contact with you. I was trying to, but you were logged down in the minutia. Well, I assume Matt Murray's cap friendly. So I was looking at the, the Leafs owe him 4.6 this season. Okay. 4.687. Okay. What does, like, do they have to, like, is that what they have to trade? Or, like, how does it work with the Eaton money? Like does that is what they are trading away. The sends portion, I mean, I I suppose yeah. they could work a side deal to have somebody take on their portion of the Matt Murray contract, but they are just trading their portion of it. Whatever happened with the sends okay. is a non starter there. I did also quickly look hmm. at the buyout calculator on Cap Friendly uh, for Matt Murray. Uh he would become a cap hit of uh just under seven hundred grand this year with the buyout. Uh, and two million next, so it's not nothing, but it's not as punitive as it feels like it would be. Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, you can't do it. This team cannot afford to have a million dollars, let alone two million dollars, into the Matthews and Nylander contract or possible Nylander contract, which are only going to be more expensive. But it is not a it's not a hard no for the Leafs. I don't want any part of it. I don't think yeah. they do either. But if they absolutely have to, I think they can still do that, it- and it's not going to murder them any more than the Matt Murray contract itself has. In the the words of my great friend, Ned Flanders. Oh, highly ho there, neighbor Eno. <laughs> the no? Leafs are in a dilly of a pickle. They are. Like, <laughs> they... Like, I'm not, I don't want to do this right now because we have five minutes left in the show, but God, they were left in a tough spot. Oh, yeah. They were left in a tough spot. All these contracts coming up at the same time, like, it's just, it's a tough spot for the Leafs. Yeah, it's it's... It's almost like if there was a guy who had put them in this position and had felt a little more comfortable navigating in it, and that was the guy who wanted to be the GM, it's almost like that would have made sense to operate in that way. I don't know. I know. I know. I know, I, I know you don't know that. I'm very. I am. So here's of the all the things if I'm Kyle certain. Dubis was the general manager. Do you yeah. think these contracts are done? Um, hmm. I think the. No, because I think Nylander, I think he would have had to have grinded Nylander. I think it's totally fair to say Trilliving is grinding him harder than Dubis would have, but uh-huh. he wasn't just going to say, okay, have your 10 and we'll go from there. And if the Nylander one is done, it's entirely possible that Matthews isn't. So I don't think it is a slam dunk that those deals are done. Okay. Uh, I think he probably operates slightly differently, although, you know, Max Domi is a guy that had been talked about in this market before. Klingberg is a very Kyle Dubas-style hockey player, so mm-hmm. I don't know how different those moves would be. Uh, although Tyler Bertuzzi the guy I like the most could have traded for him at the deadline and um, didn't. So Kipper has said multiple times on Real Kipper and Born, like at least five to six times okay. that uh Dubas would have nothing to do with Domi. Max Domi. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that one that that's the one that would have been different there. Yeah. And again, I don't know that Bertuzzi would have happened because I wanted them to trade the pick they got in the Rasmus Sandin trade for Bertuzzi, and that uh never ended up happening there. Uh qu- what do you want to do here? Uh, quick odds. Quick odds? Yeah. For just for that guy on the text line. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a major championship. Buddy, it's I know. the oldest turning. I know. The oldest. 151st open championship this week. I'm going to just rip off guys and don't say anything until you're considering betting them. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scheffler, plus 700. Rory, one book has him at plus 525. John Rahm, plus 1,200. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. Peaked interest there. Still a, still a touch short for me, but we're getting there. Cam Smith. Mm. Anywhere from 15 to 19 to 1. Don't think so, nope. Don't think so? Brooks Kepka, nope. roughly 20 to 1. Hovland, 22. Yes. Yeah, I like that as well. Xander Shoffley, no. 25 to 1. Come on. You would never. never. You, you bet him to you miss the cut. You, you'd bet him to miss the cut before you, know you bet him to win the that, tournament. Sir. 
Patrick Cantley, oh. 25 to 1. Tyrrell Hatton, 25 to 1. Ricky Fowler, 28 to 1. Those are the uh, the favorites I have in front of me. Too short. Yep, for Fowler, for sure. Hatton Hatton's mildly intriguing to me. Homa is the long shot I've been hammering home. He had a good result last week. I think he has the right demeanor for it. We all thought he was going to win a major. Even if you don't like him to win it, you still get him at a great number for a top five or a top 10. So Homa's a guy I'm all over this weekend, including uh, my head up bet against him with Wyndham Clark. The me and me and bunk are, are all over there. Uh, what about you? Any other guys um, you're kind of circling? I'm definitely going to sprinkle on uh, Hovland. Mm-hmm. Going to sprinkle on Rom. And if you want a real long shot, 200 to 1 range. Mm. Been loving Sepp's track his game this year. Oh, I do like this. One recently can go low as anybody. A Euro. A Euro. Hits it a ton. What do we talk about with, with our boy Sanzi? Yep. You got to be a hitter to hit at this, at mm-hmm. this place. A hitter always wins like our boy yep. back in 1850. <laughs> and he hits absolute <laughs> bombs. I like Sepp's track. Obviously, it's... He's 200 to one. It's a long shot. Yeah, but, but even if you take him for a top 10 or a top five, you're getting great odds on that. And a little higher up the list in terms of long shots, but a guy that always plays well at majors is Hideki Matsuyama at 66 to one. Uh, I saw a video of him yes. backing that thing up on the range and yesterday. that is why I will be sprinkling on Hideki as well. I, I'd be I sprinkling that, like saw, I'm James Harden on him. Okay? I, saw, I saw that. I saw that peach and I was like, yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm going to do that warm up when we, whenever we play next, I would, I'm get I'd love going. to see it. I don't believe you for one second, okay. but I very, very much love to see it. A uh, quick rundown of where the winners have come from odds wise mm. at the last, uh, last iterations of this championship. Cam Smith plus 2,500. Colin Morikawa plus 3,000. Shane Lowry, bit of a longer shot, plus 8,000. Molinari, 25 or plus 2,500. Spieth, 1,200. Stenson, 2,500. So you're getting Molinari one. Yeah. Oh, he was the the best golfer in the world. And then the ball went in the water on 12. (laughs) Tiger Woods talked a little crap and he's never been (laughs) seen again. Yeah. God, that bounce on 11 for him. On We don't need to do 2019 Masters takes, but it's still the strangest hop I've ever seen a golf ball take. Uh, Blue Jays, back at it tonight. They need a win. They do. This is not a... I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a must win in July against no. the Padres, but you cannot afford to drop that many more series the rest no. of the way. So you got to win in in that regard. Barrios Darvish going to be an awesome, awesome pitching matchup. Barrios has been excellent this year. Yeah, he has. And I'm just... It's really does my heart good as a Jays fan that that contract that they gave him didn't just turn him into, uh, I don't know, Alec Manoa. Yeah. Uh, Gustavo Shasin. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just, really, I'm just really happy that he's bounced back and turned back into literal just Jose Brios. It's yep. just Jose Brios again, where what is he probably just got just under four ERA mm-hmm. pitches a lot of innings. 341, 105 strikeouts, eight and six. Is that a 341 right. ERA? Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's lower than I thought it was. You Darvish is 465 this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm impressed that Jose Brios has found his form again. Like I still wouldn't say that I fully trust him in a big game. Okay. I got it, but I, would, I wouldn't have told you that like his, after his first right. starts in Toronto. Yep. Like he's just got this look on his face sometimes <laughs> when thing goes, things go sideways that it's just like, ah, he looks like his, he's really wearing this. <laughs> but uh, he's had a really nice bounce back year and he's worth the money finally after last year where it was just an absolute disaster. So uh, I think Jay's need a win, like you said. I do think they find one tonight. Uh, I think that they get on the bats and I think 
uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to hit a home run. Oh, wow. Uh, you should look up the odds for that. We're not doing a wake and rake, but if we were, uh, you'd like those odds, I, I imagine. Right and now. then uh, quickly as well, uh, just not getting any easier for the finale of this series. Uh, Blake Snell, he's been sparkling this year. Uh, he's who gets the ball for the Padres in the finale. How but do these guys suck? You got the hound dog on the bump. I, because, as Barker said, they're just all screaming at each other. Fernando Tatis is like <laughs> crashing many, his motorcycle while doing alphas. steroids in the clubhouse. Too and, many alphas. Yeah, and again, just like Blair and Barker, just two alphas woofing at each other. Uh, they'll have you covered for more. Jay's Talk getting you set for the game tonight. It is a 7-0-7. First pitch, Barrios on the bump. The Padres counter with Darvish and Sam McKee. When we're back tomorrow, we will have coffee golf on while we're discussing all things Blue Jays and the Open um, Championship. Vladimir Guerrero, plus 475 to hit a home run tonight. Jump on it. There it is. That's Sam McKee. I'm Brent Gunning. Bunks coming up next.